Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change Your Game with GTD podcast. My name is Todd Brown, and as usual, I'm here with Robert Peak. Hello. And our goal in this podcast is always to give you some inspiration, some new ideas, how you can understand, implement, and refine uh, GTD in your life and in your work. Um, and Robert, this is uh, this this podcast today is going to be part two of a series that we started on uh, on GTD for teams. We, we sort of got going on that topic, and, and by the time we'd come to the, uh, the end of our time, it really was very clear that we had quite a few topics that we'd like to discuss that that hadn't really um, gotten enough airtime. So, hey, we have a series. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Preston. We're work, working on a boxed set here, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so we thought we'd pick up from where we left off. We've had some interesting feedback from a few listeners in the interim who've asked us to, to touch on particular topics. Um, but, uh, yeah, our goal our goal today really just to continue that theme. How does getting things done, how does the methodology, which is, you know, I think classically thought of as a uh, an implementation uh, methodology for individuals, how does that uh, help teams and, 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 you know, get beyond the individual, as it were? So maybe as a maybe as a way for uh, just to kick things off a little bit, um, one of the topics that that came up was was delegation, delegating effectively, uh, you know, tracking delegation. Do you want to maybe riff on that for a few minutes? What is what does GTD bring to the table when it comes to delegation? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I had we had had someone I was talking to recently about delegation say something like, um, "Do you really do you really state that? Do you really give them the outcome of the project delegated? Do you actually just spell that out for them?" Um, and I think to me, it's one of those questions that that's analogous to, "Do you really write down the very next action as it would be, you know, as someone would see you doing it?" Um, because it's not always intuitive. We do think very much sort of symbolically and give projects acronym names. And, and one of the big things that I've run into as a manager is assuming other people know <laughs> what I want from them and assuming they have the same standards and ideas as, as I do. And moving fast, right? We're all moving fast. So delegating effectively really comes down to how can you as quickly as possible and effectively as possible, convey, you know, what's really um, what's really required, what really needs to happen here. And my my point of view is, you know, it, when you convey what the finish line looks like to yourself as a really clear project outcome, um, that's one of the best forms of communication, uh, right? Of what the outcome is, right? So, mm. so yes, yeah, stating, you know, submit such and such, and that's your finish line. Is once you've submitted this particular document to this particular place, um, you know, it need not be in, insulting. It's it's clarity making, and to me, one of the main um, functions of a manager is to create clarity for the people around them. So, stating the outcome very clearly. Um, Defining, you know, what some of the parameters are along the way, um, you know, it, it, it's again all very much in the spirit of doing the thinking up front, right? Which is what you do individually as a GTD practitioner. You do the thinking: what's the project? What's the outcome? Where am I going to want to see this this next action show up? Um, in what context? How can I be kind to my future self? All of that is good managerial behavior, I think, for being kind to 
those around you who need to who need to get things done. And what it does is, yes, it takes a little longer on the front end, absolutely, to think and think things through. But it also means that you're you're actually all you know pulling in the same direction, and you're avoiding a lot of those you know whoops factor eleventh hour you know we delivered the wrong thing kind of mistakes. And and to me, in a, a lot of industries, those are that's absolutely invaluable. So I think that, you know, the delegation, good delegation on the GTD in a nutshell comes down to, um, yes, define the outcome clearly. Yes, track that as a project delegated if it is a, a big multi-step thing that someone else owns. And, and define what some of the kind of trust factors or markers or milestones are along the way that you're going to want or need to see. The same way you would define sort of project support information in, in your own individual system. Mm. Communicate that clearly. Track that well. You know, Review it once a week. Uh, set appropriate agendas and waiting for anything else you need for the level of detail you need to track this at to feel comfortable that it's going to be done in the right timing and to your standards. And, and you've effectively extended GTD without necessarily having to you know, have inculcated all of the language and uh, behaviors. You've, you've extended your GTD system to, to those around you without them necessarily ever having to, um, you know, have pick, even picked up the book. So that's yeah. my, my little take. Does that, does that mesh with you? I know you've, you've managed a variety of teams as well, probably both with and without the methodology, right? Yeah, I think that's right, and and I'd, I'd echo what you said. I think the the other thing that's that's interesting about you know, when we're talking about delegating projects, the other thing that's quite interesting is that the question, "What's the desired outcome?" can be a great conversation starter, right? It can be, "Let's figure out together what done looks like on this." So, yes. um, so you know, having having that as the as the beginning of the conversation, it's not appropriate for everything. Sometimes, you know, if you're delegating something, maybe it's it's under time pressure or maybe it's for somebody who's just getting started in a particular role and needs real concrete guidance about what good and done looks like, you know, then fine, then, okay, here's your, here's your outcome off you go. But I think again, you know, it's, it's quite often a really helpful question to say, Hey, let's, let's figure out what good would, would look like when it was, when it was complete. And, and you get a couple of things there. I, I think you get the same benefits that you're talking about. You know, we, we walk out the door after we've agreed that with clarity, we know what, you know, we're, we know what's going to be coming back in terms of that, that thing that we de- delegated. And the other thing that we've got is, is the buy-in of the person that we've delegated to, right? Because they've said that they've, they've co-created that thing. So, yeah, so I find, I find that's a, um, that's a helpful, it's a helpful question. I mean, you know, I, I, I find one of the things about the meetings that we have at, uh, at Next Action Associates, one of the things I really love is how often that question comes up. You know, we'll all be sat around the table talking about a particular topic. And if things get a little bit woolly or a little bit, you know, hey, I'm not quite sure we know, you know, we're, we're, we're focused appropriately here. Someone will bring up the question, hey, what's our desired outcome here? And that can spark off some really really helpful conversation. So yeah, as I say, would, would, would uh, absolutely echo what you said. And I, and I think um, that other perspective, you know, thinking of, of, of desired outcomes as, as uh, opportunities for cooperation and co-creation is, is another helpful, uh, another helpful tip there. That's a great angle. Yeah. And such a, such a good thing to do at the, at the time of delegation or at the start of a project or during a meeting rather than, um, you know, the evening before the deadline. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've had some of those where you go, oh, well, well, what was the desired outcome here? It's, it's really better to ask what is the desired outcome rather than what was the desired outcome with a sense of, of whoops and failure. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's funny as you're, as you're talking about that. I'm just reflecting on my own experience, and, and especially when I was in my, you know, my previous role in some in some corporate roles at very large organizations, I found myself quite often um, procrastinating about delegation. In other words, I didn't have the conversation with the person that I knew that I needed to delegate to because, and this was pre-GTD, so I didn't really have the language for this, but in my own head, I was saying, well, I don't really know what I want yet, right? I'm not really quite sure what what I want this person to do for me. Right. And so I, I would, I would procrastinate about that. And, 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 you know, sometimes I would end up in the situation that, that you talk about where, okay, well, it's Thursday and the presentation is Friday morning and I don't have it delegated yet. Now I have to have a really awkward conversation with that person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and their evening is gone. Um, whereas if I'd, you know, earlier on just sort of said, Hey, look, this is the story. I'm, here's kind of the general direction of travel. Let's get together and refine and refine what it is that we, uh, what we need to do. Um, you know, that could have, I, I think that's an interesting kind of managerial uh, take on how to eliminate procrastination around things you're, you know, you're, you're hesitating about delegating. And by the way, we, you know, we, I, I'd be interested in your perspective on this, but I see that form of procrastination in spades everywhere. Uh, you know, in the work that I do, people have people who have managerial responsibility are just holding on to things and holding on to things for many reasons. But, but again, I think one of the really helpful things to keep in mind is, Hey, if I've got something that I really have a strong sense, I need to delegate and it's not moving. That is, I'm not sitting down with that person. Then just go into the, into the conversation with that, with that really, um, with with that great question. What's let's, let's co-craft this desired outcome together. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, it creates a lot of buy-in as, as well there, which is so important. I, yeah, I, I see people holding on to stuff all the time. And, you know, man, you know, execs being the bottleneck is, is one of the, you know, most sort of deadly bottleneck you can have. I think there's another factor, too, where, you know, there's that old adage, if you want something done right, you do it yourself. And I think if we've, you know, kind of instilled that sense of only I can do it to, you know, my own standards and timing and the way I want it done, um, then if you don't have a good system that helps you track that this is getting done to your standards, timing, et cetera, of course you're going to kind of hang on to it because, you know, delegating is actually a more, in a way, a more painful option. It's necessary. You know, it's not really in your job purview. You know, someone else is there waiting to catch the ball, but you're not totally sure that they're going to catch it in the way you want it caught and, and get it over the goal line. So GTD, I think, gives managers a lot of confidence in their ability to make sure that they don't have to do it, but they can make sure it gets done in the way that it needs to get done. I don't know if that, that matches your experience mm. as well. But. Yeah. And uh, I think that's right. And I think, and I think, you know, when you do delegate things, it's, it's one of the transitions that I think those of us who, who, um, you know, have management responsibility or have had, it's one of those things that we all kind of go through. It's this transition from, you know, from, from doer to leader or from doer to manager. And that's a tough transition. I mean, to, to look, look in the eye, this, this possibility that, Hey, I'm going to delegate something. It's going to take longer. It's going to involve more of my time because I'm delegating it to somebody who doesn't, you know, doesn't really have much experience in this area. Um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a tough transition, I think for a lot of people to go through, but, you know, but as you say, it's a, um, it's it's helpful if we're if if we've gone into that 
uh, or, you know, we, we we're going into the delegation with an open mind about what Don looks like and, and we can sort of work on that together. You know, as, as we're talking about that, I think it's kind of a nice segue into one of the other topics that got brought up, which was how does the natural planning model fit into uh, into GTD for teams? Because of course, if it's a if what I'm delegating is a project that's really quite you know quite chunky, quite uh, quite ambiguous, maybe don't really have it totally nailed down, then uh, coming up with a desired outcome, you know, I'm sure is going to be helpful, but I might need some guidance for you know, an e even deeper dive into that project. And so the natural planning model, it strikes me, would be would be a good uh, a good tool to pull out of my work, work tool belt at that point. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And you have some you have some good experience with with using that as a as a kind of facilitation tool and a, a way of creating alignment that actually gets executed on would mm. love, for you to, love for you to share a bit about that and, and your experience with using it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, over the years, there have been several um, situations where you know, I've worked with with teams who were working on a uh, a big project, and I would spend um, you know spend some time with them just walking the project through the natural planning model. And for those of you who aren't really you know up to speed or very fresh about the the natural planning model, it it encourages us to ask some really fundamental questions about the project. Right? What's what's my purpose? Why am I doing this? Right? For example. Um, what are the guiding principles? What are the rules of engagement? You know, what, what, let's be clear about those. What does done look like? So here again, we're into the territory of, of desired outcomes. And then once I've got a desired outcome identified, of course, what I've got cognitively is a gap between where I want to be, that's my desired outcome, and where I am, right? I'm not at the finish line yet. And so what naturally happens then is is we start to go okay well what could be relevant to get me from where i am to where i want to be and that's a great a great uh, moment to start brainstorming after i've done a bit of a brainstorm and i've got you know loads of ideas strategic tactical good not so good you know definitely relevant possibly irrelevant then in order to make sense of all that it's not a bad idea to do some organizing um and the level of organizing that's appropriate completely depends on the project and its scope, right? If it's if it's just something that I'm doing for myself, it might be just a bullet list of, of a you know a series of steps. If it's you know rolling out a uh, rolling out a new version of software to a department, then it could be that it you know requires a lot of formal planning and you know break out the break out the formal planning tools. And then at the end, you know, what are the next actions for each one of the pieces of that project? So again, just just by way of a quick review of the natural planning model, and and you're quite right. I've I've found that that over the years, <clears throat> it's been a great tool. You know, I, uh, one team in particular I was working with um, overseas, they were uh, it was really interesting. They'd been working on this project together for like three or four months, and it was really interesting when I started, you know, started just to ask the really basic questions: Why are we doing this? What's the purpose of this? And the the perceptions in the room were varied. I mean, they were they weren't completely you know all over the place, but they had very different thoughts about really why this was important to them and to the organization. So, so yeah, the natural planning model can be a great. It, it's very powerful as an individual tool, right? You can just sit down and and run one of your projects through the natural planning model. But it's also great as a team tool, you know, having having thought through a project and it doesn't have to take, you know, six days. You can you can work through the natural planning model in an hour or so, even in a team setting uh, and, and an individual basis. You could do it in 10 minutes, you know, with a small project. But, um, 
yeah, but I found that that after having done that, the teams walked out of there with a much better sense of, you know, what are we doing? What are our rules? What does done look like? Um, we've we've done a group brainstorm, so we've got all the good ideas out on the table. We've done a bit of organizing. Um, generally speaking, when I did those team sessions, the organizing, you know, the formal organizing would be then something that would happen after the session. Someone would take it off and generate a, you know, a, a Microsoft project file or something for something more formal. Right. right. But um, yeah, and then what are our next actions? So it's a it's a it's a great tool, uh, really, for projects of of any scale. It's great. You know, I think so many, certainly just about any executive worth their salt knows that alignment is really important, right? <laughs> but, but doesn't necessarily know how to, how to create it, right? You know, how, mm -hmm. to, how to really initiate an aligned focus. And to me, this is the initiation. Yes, there's, there's nurturing after that, you know, and good communication and good understanding of the various roles leading on from that. But to me, this is the real, um, you know, the real kind of establishing um, phase for that. Mm -hmm. Another thing I'm, I'm thinking of just, just kind of teeing off from, yeah, doing the natural planning model and also our own process for, for handling team meetings. So really anything that gets generated out of that, one of the, one of the questions I was having with someone in a conversation was, you know, what do you do with so-called team projects? Right. Mm -hmm. So if those projects shake out and they're complex and interdependent, and it's got lots of moving part and lots of, of, of people are involved with it. How, how do you track those? How do you, how do you mm -hmm. deal with those? And I think one of the most powerful fundamental things to know about that, certainly something that we enforce pretty rigorously with our own meetings is that there has to be an owner. Mm -hmm. There absolutely has to be an owner. And I think so many, so many, um, projects fall, you know, through the cracks um, because it's, yes, we're all owning it. We're all a team. And it's really that classic thing of when everybody owns it, no one really does. Mm. So sometimes it's whoever's, you know, has the most actual active work to do there. Sometimes it's sort of whose department sort of makes the most sense in terms of overview or oversight. Sometimes it's, you know, who's going to give the final kind of sign off to, to call it done, but you need to pick someone. You know, yeah. someone that's that's been in that room, that's been part of that process of identifying what the outcome is, and, and that we've all agreed we want to see happen. Um, and you really have to have have to have one one person own that. So just a little a little piece on that. Um, you know, I think um, a lot of people think, oh well, it's complex, it's team, it's whatever. Let's all have a sense of ownership about it, and that's great. But so it should be on a person's project list. It should be mm. on a person's list, which mm. doesn't preclude you know, team project tracking and Gantt charts and all kinds of other things that can support you in group visibility about what's going on. But it absolutely needs to be owned by a person in my experience in order for it to get done as effectively as it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Completely with you there. And, 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 and the other thing that's coming to mind for me is sometimes if a project is of, of a, you know, a bigger scale so that it's got sub elements, right. So sub outcomes, uh, then, then in a situation like that, it might make sense for for individuals to own, you know, different sub elements of the overall project. But yeah, as long as as long as delegation or or um, accountability, better word, uh, is clear in those instances, then then we're um, yeah, then we're then we're so much better off than than you know than well certainly than I was. I, I remember back in my corporate days, coming out of meetings. Um, 
and, and just having this kind of vague sense of, well, yeah, I, I think I was supposed to be doing this or they were supposed to be doing that or there was, but, but nobody was using the language. You know, this is, again, it just goes back to GTD in some ways is encouraging us to do things that we've done before. Um, but, but it's really, uh, you know, when we use these, these approaches consistently, it can be very powerful. So nobody, you know, nobody in a meeting that I attended back in my back in my corporate days um, really used the language. Said, "Hey, let's let's talk about what done looks like here. Let's talk about you know what's what's the outcome, and and by the way, who owns that outcome, right?" Um, and and I think that you know that kind of cuts through an awful lot of uh, of wooliness in thinking about things that we're that we're trying to achieve together. Yeah, let's be clear: what does done look like? Who's got the ball? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think there can be a kind of a cultural element of backing kind of people's hesitation to actually look their manager in the eye and say, what's your desired outcome here? What does success look like? What, what would make you happy? You know, what would make, what would make, what would be a win? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for me as a manager and as an exec, someone asking me that immediately kicks off in my mind, oh, that's my job. My job is to define for them what success looks like. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'm here to do. I'm glad you asked, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. so if you are in a, a position um, where you're hesitant or nervous or worried about that, it doesn't have to be a big formal thing, but just, you know, just dropping in. So, you know, what, what would be a really good outcome here? What, what would success look like for, for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, again, can, can create the operational clarity that then allows you to deliver on that exactly the way they they wanted it and builds trust and builds trust and builds a, a more dynamic team relationship. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you're hesitant, I mean, I think there's that thing of, Oh, we're all smart people and we know what we mean and whatever, but no, sometimes you really do need to slow down a little bit in order to really get lined up and leverage that, that's intelligence, that power of the team in the right direction. So just a, just a encouragement there. If it, if it seems a little hokey or a little like, um, you know, down a bit of a downgrade to have to talk at that level. No, it's, it's very, very powerful once you get the underlying intent. Yeah. You know, as we're talking about it, I'm, I want to also make sure that we have some space here for, um, for something that came up. I mean, you and I both come from, from uh, IT backgrounds and my IT background is a little bit further behind me than yours is. But I know that one of the things that was brought up by one of our listeners was this idea of how does GTD dovetail with, uh, with Scrum and Racy and, and things like that, that, that tend to be hot in the IT world. Did you want to just speak to that for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with RACI, R-A-C-I, it's basically the idea that in these large complex kind of projects, there's there's sort of four types or classes of accountability or, or ownership or involvement, let's say. Um, those who are, who are responsible, as in they're going to get it done. Those who are A, accountable, meaning at a high level, they're overseeing this thing. Um, those who need to consult, as in two-way communication, provide input as well as receive input, and those who just need to be informed, status updates, progress, told when it's done, that kind of thing. Um, And I think GTD meshes very nicely with this kind of accountability delineation. Um, And I kind of, actually, I've laid out a little bit of a chart as kind of by way of an example. Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words um, about what it would look like, you know, in terms of someone's GTD system in each of these four 
um, areas of involvement with a complex project. In a nutshell, obviously those responsible have have the project. Those accountable have a, a project delegated. Those who are consulting um, probably have individual actions that they're responding to, right? Um, but they're they're not necessarily driving it. And those informed probably have a waiting for, right? So it's it, at its simplest level, um, just having the mechanics right of uh, paired up with, you know, who's who's involved in what way um, can really, really support that um, that whole uh, process. There's there's more of a sense of trust, I, I find, in in groups that have have delineated some sense of, okay, here's here's my role on the team in this mm -hmm. particular project. Yeah. There's more of a sense of trust because then you can have the mechanics lead on from that. Um, things like Scrum, you know, some of these uh, kind of born out of the whole kind of agile um, agile approach to um, software development. I've seen, um, you know, in, in particular, uh, so the use of Scrum is a great way to have very quick tactical uh, meetings and conversations. Um, ideally focused around, you know, what's blocking us, what's stopping us, um, what do we need to overcome in order to make sure uh, things stay on track. Um, and to me, you know, it's it's partly a way of kind of having a daily review of things like, like a waiting for, um, you know, so having very clear understanding of the project, having a very clear, you know, understanding on everyone's list of, you know, where things sit, what, what, you know, who's got the ball. Um, by way of representing that in individual systems can make those scrum sessions much, much faster. It's called, yep, it's waiting for, you're waiting for us with me. I've got it. I'm moving it along. Okay, great. I'll focus on something else, you know? Um, and the idea is that the, you know, you stand up, you do it quickly. Um, you have a, as small a team as possible, but no smaller working on it. Um, and I find GTD supports that level of flexibility really, really beautifully. And then mm -hmm. how, how you visualize the state of play for things, you know, there's, there's the approach called Kanban, right? Where you basically, mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's not yet in progress, the backlog, what's in progress, what's kind of waiting for QA and what's, what's done. And the idea there is that you acknowledge that people are capacity constrained. You can really only focus on one thing at a time. Now, mm -hmm. this is particularly good in manufacturing and in software development where the idea is really, kind of an, an assembly line approach to developing or building things. But it follows very much GTD principles in that it's true you can only do one thing at a time. Now, for those of us who whose sole job isn't just write code or, you know, create create car engines, um, we just you just need to acknowledge we have a lot of those going on at once and, and bookmarking the state of play as you would on a big whiteboard full of columns for a team, it's precisely the same thing as, as what you do individually in, in your GTD systems. So those can be compatible as well. All of these mm -hmm. systems I, I recommend are um, supersets of, of the GTD systems where the individual's stuff gets represented. I would never want to see a project that I own only represented in a group kind of spreadsheet unless I'm you know really willing to review that entire group spreadsheet um, once a week as part of my as part of my weekly review. Generally, though, that's going to be information overload. So people go, oh well, I don't want to duplicate things. I want it in one place. It's like, well, at least at the at the project level, you really do want all your projects in one place, in my experience. And then the, whatever's the kind of big group update visibility um, approach, um, you know, can can basically just be be a duplication of that, but not not in a, a bad way. Just as another means of communicating. Um, what's what's yours?
I don't know. Does yeah. that does that map map to your experience with yeah. groupware and those kind of those kind of ways of representing uh, team team statuses? Yeah, and 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 we get that question a lot. You know, how to if I am in fact tracking team projects, uh, then where do I do it? And and the tools, you know, they're just gobs of tools out there. You can make it really simple, right? Just have a shared spreadsheet somewhere right on a, on a shared drive somewhere at the at the kind of the low tech end or or uh or i mean even lower tech but in some ways uh uh maybe even more effective you know i, I was reflecting on what you were talking about and i was thinking about it's it's all it's all about making work visible right right and so if we have some sort of a, a project um, you know, a projects list that is visible, you know, maybe it's even just on flip chart paper and it sits up in a, in a conference room so that people can go and look at it and we update it when we get together. Um, you know, that's, that's powerful stuff. Uh, but the, uh, you know, to your point, you don't want to, you don't want to overcomplicate, right? You want to make sure that the outcomes are, are agreed and are visible and everybody has access to them. And, and I'm with you completely. I mean, it does, you know, probably mean that four or five or six of your projects are going to be on two lists, right? On your own list, but also on the shared list that's looked at by the team. But the benefit that comes from that, I think, is considerable. And so we're, we're willing to live with a little bit of inefficiency in the interest of productivity, both for you and for the team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it creates efficiency when it comes time to do your weekly review and you don't have to look at, you know, everyone else's projects on the entire team and filter through that. So mm, I think yeah. it's well, well worth, well worth investing in. Um, I think kind of one of the last things that was coming up is really for people just, just knowing how to, in a sense, lead by example with GTD, how to um, put effective GTD practices in place, how to cascade that down, you know, for their teams. Wonder if, wonder if you have thoughts on, kind of what's worked for you to kind of inculcate sort of more of a GTD culture as a leader? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I think that just by operating in the ways that we've been talking about today, right? So so using the language, uh, having the concepts of things like shared, you know, shared vision of outcomes, uh, having the idea of a waiting for, having the idea of an agenda, you know, something that I want to talk to somebody about when I next meet with them. And exhibiting that behavior, I think, is is kind of the starting place. Some some people within the team, I think, will vary, um, you know, will we'll sort of just decide, hey, I, I really like this and I'd really like to operate in this way and they'll become GTD champions and implementers. And other people will probably be a bit more hesitant and will will implement around the edges, if you will. You know, they'll they'll realize that when they go to a meeting, they'll need to have their agendas list together because it's expected of them or that they need to contribute to the shared projects list because it's expected of them, you know? So those are all, um, uh, you know, I, I think that's all good grist for the mill as you think about how to implement this for yourself. But at the end of the day, I think, um, you know, be, be clear about what are the, it, it, again, if you're the, if you're in a management position, be clear about what the negotiables and non-negotiables are. You know, when I was when yeah. I was very first managing with GTD, what I used to say to my people was, look, when you come to our weekly meetings and we had, you know, I had a meeting with each of my directs on a weekly basis. I said the one thing that's a, that's a, 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 a you know, non-negotiable is you've got an agenda list for me and a waiting for list for me. Right. That's the thing. That's the thing that I want to see that, so that we can make sure we put our our time to best use. And, you know, again, whether whether all the people in my team implemented GTD to the degree that I had or that other people had, no. Um, but at the end of the day, did they, um, did they, uh, had they implemented enough of it 
that I could be, you know, I could have some confidence that we were being, um, we were being effective in our use of time. Yeah. And, and that, that seemed like a, a good balance point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's a fabulous way to have one-to-ones is, you know, make sure you've got the agendas and waiting for us, you know, that you've got, that they've got, when you map, match them up, you know, and spot the gaps, you know, you, you very effectively kind of shore things up and, and move forward as a, as a team and with a sense of, you know, team. It's like some people have said to me, oh, I don't have a, I don't want to have a waiting for from my boss because that feels like I'm managing them, you know, and it's like, we are. You're managing laterally, <laughs> you're managing up, you're managing down all the time to get the darn thing done when it needs to be done. You know, that's that's always the case. And then just to acknowledge that, track that, you know, represent reality that way. In my experience, you know, GTDers are better managers. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. a, I note this incredible irony that so often people are promoted because they're wonderful individual contributors, right? They're really good at the skill of the thing that everyone they're now managing uh, does, right? So yeah, as yeah. a result, there's this incredible temptation to want to do, you know, to want to, to kind of devolve back down to, I'll just do it myself, I'll just get it done. So yeah. again, having the tools, having the language, deciding on what the negotiables and non-negotiables are to create a sense of teamwork amongst all of you. I think is is very very powerful stuff, and yeah, I've I think GTD managers are are better managers. GTD execs are better execs. Mm. Good stuff. I think we should um, I think we should sort of draw this to a close. What's your um? Let's just do a quick back and forth top tips here. Uh, if you were talking to somebody about how to maybe somebody who's already into GTD, they're you know they've seen the benefits of it, they've implemented themselves, and they're thinking, how do I bring this to my team? How do I, you know, how do I bring some of the benefits beyond, you know, move, move the benefits beyond me as an individual? What's your, what's your top tip in that situation? Yeah, I think, well, there's, there's a lot of great tips that our colleague Ed, Ed Lamont has spelled out in, in a blog article that we'll, we'll also link to um, from this, from this post. So you can, you can have a read of a lot of those tips. For me, you know, it, it really comes down to leading by example. So, so embodying the GC process as much and as well as you can, and then finding those places of intersection where you can, again, start to, um, start to instill some of this common language and, and set these expectations about, about, you know what's um, again negotiable and non, as you as you so well put it. So um, things like you know delegating well with a clear outcome. Um, you know things like using the natural planning model or some form of it to to delineate the kind of the horizons. Um, you know I think are are really really big keys to uh, to starting to push this forward in a way that people can relate to that doesn't feel false, doesn't feel. Uh, imposed, doesn't feel remedial or punitive, but just feels like it's kind of naturally flowing from your, not only enthusiasm, but your practical use of this, right? So mm -hmm. That to me is leading leading by example in terms of bringing it into your organization. Yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd agree with all that. And one more thing I'd add is that, you know, agreeing who's accountable, responsible for what isn't rude, and following up yes. on a waiting for that you have isn't rude. And by the yes. you mentioned earlier, you know, managing the boss, an awful lot of bosses out there need managing and, um, you know, keeping track of the fact that the boss is doing something for you. That's not rude. That's just helping to move the agenda forward. So, um, 
So great. Listen, Robert, a real pleasure as always. Good to talk to you. For all of you out there, um, please do let us know if uh, if there's anything you'd like us to be addressing in this in our series. We're very happy to hear from you. We're, we're I think over time getting an increasing number of emails from folks and the and the numbers are going up. We're very very happy to hear from you. We'll we'll, um, we'll add all of your ideas to the hopper. Um, so until next time. I wish you all the best of luck with your GTD implementation and and hope that this podcast has been helpful in, in helping you to get the most of it. And we'll speak to you soon.